Welcome to Sideline Sports, joined by John Shear, Jake Malik, and special guest Joe Zagorski. A couple of things to go over tonight. Are the Nets frauds? The Yankees cheating scandal? And where in the world is OJ? Let's start with that. We've got Joe Zagorski with us tonight. Joe's writing a book on the 73 season of OJ Simpson. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. So, you know, on Facebook, I'm friends with Joe, and I came across his post a couple of weeks ago, uh, how excited he was that he got a chance to sit down and interview OJ Simpson, uh, the juice. Yep. The, the man in who 2000, in 1973 mm-hmm. brought for, how many yards did he have, Joe? 2003. 2003 yards. Just imagine how many yards that was. And that was in a 14-game season, not a 17-game yes. season that we have now. Yeah, that's – well, his record has since been broken, and it'll get broken again with 17 games. Yeah, but he's the only man to do it in 14 games. Yeah, that's that's amazing to think, you know. John, what does that come out to per game, John? Let's go. Quick man. Ah, man, I was, I'll have to think about it. You said 2003 and 14 games? Yeah. That's over a 125 yards game because 16 games, 125 yards is 2,000. So, I mean, that's a lot. Well, in, in 11 of those games, he rushed for over 100 yards. And three of those games, he rushed for over 200 yards. So, so he would he would rush for about 2,250, roughly. If he were playing. If he had a 16 game, probably about 2,250. There about at, at least. least. If at he least. stayed healthy. If that's he easily breaking the record, at least. Yeah, if he stayed healthy and stayed on that pace, without a doubt he would have had that. In a 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I think Eric Dickerson still has it at 2,100. So. Wow. So how did this come about that you, that you uh, first of all, decided to write a book about the 73 season? And then how did you get in touch with OJ for the interview? Well, uh, back in 20. Uh, 2008, I decided to start writing books, um, and I my first book was going to be on the, the NFL in the 1970s, and I sort of had in the back of my mind where I wanted to interview OJ for that book, but I could never find him. Uh, then, fast forward, I've written right now four books, three of which have been published, but I always kind of wanted to write about the 73 Bills because no one had ever written about them. And I thought, you know, this is the 50-year anniversary. Certainly some people remember that, especially up in Buffalo, uh, how even though they didn't make the playoffs that year, they finished 9-5 and and they had a really good season. And, of course, they set all these records thanks to O.J. Simpson. So I revved up the engines once more and tried to find O.J. I tracked him down at a, a penitentiary in Nevada where he was serving time. And I sent him a copy of my first book, um, but I never got word whether or not he received it or not. Um, didn't send along any, you know, file or anything that he could bust out of prison with or anything <laughs> like that. Um, because then I would have probably gotten the chance to see him firsthand in prison. Yeah, um, that would be cheating. And yeah, cheating yeah. is wrong, right, Jake? <laughs> That's right. I will I will keep my comments to myself for now, John. I'm because just saying. There is plenty cheating to be said, and we will discuss that when it is appropriate. But John, we have a <laughs> guest, saying. so we're going to get through our guests first. Excuse okay. me, sir. Well, anyway, long story short, um, I, I realized that trying to find OJ was not going to be easy, so I decided to try and track down his manager. And I can't remember exactly how I found the name of his manager because it was a while ago. But I, I think I tried several different names, and I sent several different emails out. Um, and lo and behold, uh, one guy answered back, and it was OJ's manager. And I thought, well, this is further than I've gotten anywhere else before with this uh, endeavor. So I wrote to his manager and asked him, you know, I'm trying to write a book on the 73 Bills. I've interviewed, I think, seven or eight players so far on it. 
and I'd really love to get OJ's take on it. And he wrote back and he said, you know, he asked me what my intentions were and things like that. And um, I, I, you know, I, I was really um, honest with him. I said, look, I, I don't plan on asking him any questions about anything other than his football career. Uh, I, I won't get into the 1990s at all or anything like that. So I sent him a list. I sent him a list of questions figuring that, you know, he would see that I'm on the up and up. And uh, almost incredibly, I got an email from him and he said that, uh, yeah, he, OJ said, okay, to the list of questions and to the interview. And I'm thinking, wow, I'm finally going to get a chance to interview this guy. So uh, a few weeks ago, he, his manager calls me up and he says, um, okay, uh, you know, you're going to have some time here with him. I'm going to let you know that any kind of reference to any kind of alleged crime that he may have commit, committed will result in an instant hang up. Uh, right. You know, and I figured, well, I mean, I, I had promised these guys I'm not going to uh, do that. I, you know, you, you got to I joke around a lot, but I, I've got a serious reputation. I want to keep it you know, for honesty. And, you know, and I, I had promised these guys, I'm not going to go there. And so I didn't. Um, but then he gave the phone over to OJ and it was a three-way conversation because his, his manager chimed in on several questions that um, OJ didn't have an answer to. So I knew it was a three-way conversation, um, but I, I couldn't see him. Like I see you guys here on, on this uh, website, you know, I could just, you know, hear his voice and all but it was definitely O.J. Simpson's voice. I've heard him enough times to know right. it's him. And uh, it, it, was, it was really phenomenal because here I was, you know, I know a lot of my friends since then have said, how could you talk to that guy? I said, you don't understand. It's it's part for a book. It's It, it doesn't have anything to do with me. You're a I professional. You know, I try to be. Now that <laughs> – so um, – you know, it's it, it was really interesting, and I think the further we got along with the interview, the more relaxed uh, Mr. Simpson was, and I, I really thought that we we had uh, some really good give and take there. I, I asked him some pretty good questions, and I got a lot of information from him that I couldn't find elsewhere. I mean, I've looked a lot of places, and I, I just couldn't find elsewhere. And he. He gave me some really great quotes that, that made it into the book. So that's awesome. Now, I mean, was this because we before we spoke uh, before we went on the air, we went over who you've interviewed. Yeah, you know, was this like your dream interview when you're sitting down of the list of people you want to actually have? Was OJ like the guy that you like made? I guess your career. Uh, no, not really. I mean, I don't really have that kind of a list. Uh, it's generally you try to interview people who are going to help your book. Uh, but I mean, there's, there's other people that I would love to interview that I'm not writing a book on. So, I mean, I just love to just talk to them, you know, if possible. Um, you know, I, I think, I think about, I think about Michelle Pfeiffer all the time, but I mean, I just, you know, haven't been able to interview her yet, you know, so. Yeah. So if you had like a top three that you could interview, who would who would they be? Top three. Oh wow. Um, do they have to be alive or dead? They could be Both. 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 How can you be alive and dead? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Crazy segue into John's mind. Let's yeah. go. I think. Uh, I I think I'd probably like to um, interview Donald Trump. Um, I think I'd, I'd like to interview, um, George Washington and, um, I, I, I guess maybe one more would be Joe Namath. Okay. Interesting. Um, interesting list. Yeah. Now, Two were presidents so, and one wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then as far as your book, so you've written how many books so far? Well, I've written four and three have been published. The fourth one I've been trying to get published for a while because it's been finished for a while. It's a biography on former Philadelphia Eagles free safety Bill Bradley. 
and I, I think that's my most humorous book because Bill is so humorous. Um, some, some of his stories are really incredible. And hopefully this September, I have a publisher narrowed down and I hope they say yes, because I've been pleading with them and bugging them for the last year and a half now. So I hope they say yes. And I'm just getting ready to start looking for a publisher for the 73 Bills book. I just finished it. So, um, so how long how long does the total process go when you're writing a book like that? Well, when I wrote my first book, it took me six years, but I had a full-time job at the time. So I could only write in the evenings and on weekends. Um, but now that I'm retired, uh, I, uh, I don't have any other job but writing. So I can finish a book within a year, typically. So do you have um, but, like a, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, but, but you have to stick with it. You, you can't like, you know, all of a sudden get lazy. You, yeah. you just got to keep with it. But so I'm, not married, I'm not married, so that, that helps. That's if, I was you married, extra time. if I was married, it would be a difficult occupation, I think. If, it, if you were married, you'd have more free time. <laughs> <laughs> Instant free not time. Not as many chores to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have an OJ quote that you didn't put in the book that you could share with us? Maybe something that you asked them that you found out? Um, no, I, I pretty much put every single one in, but um, one one unique story that he did to tell me was about uh, the, uh, the time when he was um, in college at USC. And he would, uh, he and a friend of his, uh, Earl McCullough, who would go on to play for the Lions and the Saints, um, those two guys generally got summer jobs uh, at the movie studios, at, you know, because in Hollywood, most of the movie studios, he said, are run by USC guys. And uh, they were filming a movie. And OJ and Earl McCullough had just like little bit roles where um, I think it was called, he, he said it was called Death of a Gunfighter. Lena Horn was in it and somebody else. And um, apparently OJ and Earl would um, break out of this one building and run down the street. And uh, he, they, they had to shoot the scene a second time uh, because after, you know, OJ said that, you know, he, Earl, and him, OJ, were both world-class sprinters. And so they ran down the street, and the director called them back and said, okay, now there's a difference between movie running and sprinting. And so he, he tried to explain to them that they had to run slower. And so, so later on in his life, you would think, well, that, that lesson did, did make – you know, some sense to OJ because when he was in the movie uh, miniseries Roots with uh, LeVar Burton, one of the scenes that OJ was uh, going to do was he was going to chase down LeVar Burton. But his, OJ told me that LeVar Burton was running like it was a track meet. And uh, OJ had just come from Rome, I think he said, and he was not in running shape at that time. And it was in Georgia savannah georgia and he just wasn't in any shape so after the first take oj um threw up and so he was uh, just not in shape and so they had to retake that scene again to get um lavar burton to slow down so the nfl mvp could catch him <laughs> so wow that's that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's they're gonna be in the book, so you know. I mean, I try to add some humor to every every book that I write if I can, of course. because that's my personality. Um, but I I also get serious with it too, because um, it, it, doing a book about seventy three bills, every one of those guys has been asked about O.J. Simpson right after he retired, and not many of them are willing to discuss their feelings. Uh, two guys did. And um, they were two opposite ends of the spectrum. One guy thought that he was innocent, and the other guy didn't. So, and everybody's entitled to their opinion. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I'm going to keep that in mind, John, that everybody's entitled to their opinion. I'm keeping it that in mind. It doesn't mean the opinions are right. It just means they're entitled <laughs> yeah. to their opinions. That's fine. Sounds like so an inside could, thing, yeah. Um, that's going to be our last segment, guys. So we're going to hold off on that one because we're going to go at not. it. Absolutely not. We're going to go at it tonight with that one. Oh, boy. Well, you know, I mean, I, I don't have really a, an opinion on it because I wasn't in the jury of, of his trials. I I had nothing to do with it. Um, all I know is that he was acquitted, and uh, I I needed him for my book, and that was it. You know, I, I know I had to explain myself to a lot of people, including some family members, and um, I think they eventually came around to seeing my point of view. Um, you know, I, I just thought that, you know, this is for my book. He's been kind enough to say yes. And a lot of people have not been as lucky as I have to get an interview with him. So I'm going to take advantage of it. Right. What he did or did not do has no relevancy on no. you and him talking on the phone and you interviewing him for your book. That's what he did off the field or didn't do has nothing to do with that. So no. you're right. Yeah. And you're an author that your job is to, is to dig up stories and interview and do exactly what you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyone, you know, go ahead. If, if anyone's ever tried to get a ex athlete, someone, you know, that's famous to be on the show or interview, mm -hmm. it's not as easy as it sounds. You know, you oh, have to go not, through, you know, you you go through be, PR people, you got to go through managers, you got to get lucky, get the right a lot number. You got to be a hard detective. <laughs> and you got to hope they say yes after all that. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not an easy task. No, it's not, especially if they're famous. If they're not as famous, you, you, you stand a decent chance. Um, you know, if you're going to interview an offensive oh. lineman, you got a good chance. You know, right. um, most, most of them aren't that famous. But you'd be surprised. Um, I'm, I'm currently writing a book on Larry Little, former uh, Hall of Fame guard with the Dolphins. And yep. I wanted to talk with Manny Fernandez, who was a defensive tackle for the Dolphins, who practiced with Larry Little all those years. And Larry had told me, no, he's not going to call you. He's, he's being a jerk. And so uh, I, I just crossed him off the list. Um, and that's, that happens sometimes. Um, I think the friendliest person that I've ever interviewed, though, was Bart Starr, former Packers quarterback. Yep. What a nice guy. And I don't know if you've heard stories of him, but they're all true. He's he's a really, you know, while he was alive, he's a really great guy. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, Joe, what other books have you written? Started with the NFL in the 1970s, Pro Football's Most Important Decade. That came out in 2016. Then in 2019, I wrote The Year the Packers Came Back, Green Bay's 1972 Resurgence. And then um, in 2020, uh, my book on my biography of Willie Lanier, Kansas City Chiefs middle linebacker, came out. And then hopefully someday soon, my uh, biography of Bill Bradley will come out, hopefully followed by this book on the 73 Bills, and then the book on Larry Little. But in between all that, I've written a screenplay. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Uh, nice. Yeah, I, I hope it gets, uh, as a little bit of a side note, I, I hope it gets bought by some film producer in Hollywood. You know, we'll see. Well, nowadays <laughs> with streaming, you never know. Because there's so many outlets. Oh, now. my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, all you have to do is, like, find the right person. That's the thing. See, I don't have a whole lot of contacts in the film industry. So, in fact, I have uh, zero. So, um, you know, it's it's trying to get somebody to accept an unsolicited manuscript, and that's not easy. You yeah. almost you almost have to know them or know somebody who knows them really well. Right. Precisely. You know, and, and, and that's not fair. <laughs> no, it, it's definitely tough. So where can people buy your books? Best place is Amazon.com. That's the best place. Um, Perfectly. They generally now don't be angry with me with the prices um, because the publisher sets those. I I don't. Um, but the uh, the NFL in the 1970s has uh, has a lot of good um, staying power. It's my oldest book, and uh, 
I've, I've sold several thousand copies of it. So wow, nice. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and where can people yeah. go, go ahead? No, no, okay. Um, and, and of course, if you're a Packers fan, the 72 Packers book is pretty good too, because it, it details probably one of the worst head coaches in pro football history. Um, former Packers coach, Dan Devine. Oh, I thought you were going to say Adam Gase or Matt Nagy. No, no we're, we're going way back. I'm old school. As I say, John, this was 72. That was well, I know. Time. I was just saying, you said one of the you worst guys are history, young. So Matt Nagy and Adam Gase clearly have to be in that conversation. I don't, oh, I'm sorry. Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer has to be number one. There that we is, go. Urban so Meyer's number one. This is one thing one. we're going to agree on tonight. Those are all things I will not argue with. Those well, are you know, absolutely. You know, I mean, Dan Devine gave away five draft picks for John Hadle, and John Hadle had, like, barely able to get out of his rocking chair. I mean, well, come on. <laughs> it's yeah. just bad. Urban Meyer yeah. doesn't know who Aaron Donald is. Yeah, the greatest defensive thing. players of all time has no idea who he is. <laughs> that may be a little worse. Yeah, yeah I was, get up. But you know, coaches coaches get recycled all the time. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised to see uh, Urban Meyer. You know, In college, get, not the yeah. NFL. No, <laughs> not never touch the NFL again. No, but he'll get but back. The fact that he'll get another job is the sad part. He'll, Maybe he'll college, go, yeah. he might have to go to a junior college, but he'll get there. They recycle coaches he could all the time. He could coach middle school or high school. I mean, yeah. the guy that I wrote my fourth book on, Bill Bradley, he got he got a job as an assistant coach by pretending to be a scout. He bought <laughs> he bought wow. a a stopwatch, a clipboard, and a pair of slacks and an Eagles logo uh, polo shirt. Went to a um, a senior bowl practice. Somebody recognized him. And by that afternoon, he had a job as an assistant coach. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so well, that's the old Bobby Valentine routine. Switch oh, right. up. And then, of course, Bill Bill told some incredible stories about the time he almost killed Evil Knievel. That was funny. That was a wow. funny story. Yeah, he, he gave him a, a, a ride in his father's pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to check out that book. It's going to be interesting. Joe, I hope it gets about? published. Oh, I will. I'm sure. No, I hope so. It's. I've been turned down a lot. A lot of a lot of publishers. They only look at the bottom line. How much money can it make? You know, their right. publishing company. But I mean, the stories that he told. I mean, he almost got beaten up by Frank Sinatra's bodyguards. Um, wow. He got. Uh, he got a chance to have a private breakfast with the president of the United States, but stood him up in favor of going out with a girl that he just met. I mean, just incredible stuff. I mean, hey, wow, it's just an incredible guy. Um, he That's was able wild. to he he talked the Secret Service into opening up the briefcase so he could see all their guns. <laughs> wow, sounds <laughs> like Mr. Oh, he's, Magoo he's movie or something. Oh, he's something else. He was incredible. He's, I went to see him uh, last year in Texas. And, um, you know, I had interviewed him like 11 times over the phone. So I finally got to meet him. Oh, he had a blast. He's so funny. He's, That's you know, awesome. I just hope, That's he awesome. Gets, I hope he gets, he, he, it gets published so that he can see it. I hope he doesn't pass away before it gets published. Yeah, yeah no, I definitely hear you. These guys, people, these guys are dropping like flies. He's in his seventies, you know. I mean, goodness, yeah, wow. And where can people find you, Joe? Um, well, I live in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, uh, but I don't really want them just knocking on my door. Just, you know. <laughs> but, but um, online, I'm on Facebook under Joseph Zagorski, and uh, that's pretty much it, really. Um, uh, Amazon, you can look at my author page um, under my books. That's probably the two best ways to find me. Well, Joe, I want to thank you for coming on tonight, telling us all about the OJ interview. Yes, thank you very much. And your work. And we look forward to speaking with you again when the books drop. Yes, of course. You you bet. Uh, I'll let you guys know as well. I'll make a lot of Facebook announcements when, when it comes out, if I'm not in Facebook jail. And uh, you know, I I try to avoid that if I can, you know. That's um, always good. 
Yeah, I don't have to worry about that on Twitter anymore as of yesterday. <laughs> but, but anyway, thanks a lot for inviting me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Oh, appreciate you no problem. Right. Have Take a good care, Joe. Yep. Have a good See one, you. Joe. Bye-bye. All right, gentlemen. Bye. We have lots to talk about. If Joe right, hold on. Forces- first of all, hold on. does no, anybody think that he kind of looks like like a great value brand, uh, Drew Carey, no. like an older no. Drew Carey, great value brand. No. He kind of looked like Drew no. Carey, like John, a great John, value brand, Drew talking. Carey. John, I- I'm just saying, kind of. You are like just Drew starting Carey. off this night so poorly. Now, JB, if you're going to force it to be this way, we can put this last topic on the back burner and we can talk about the Nets first. I will allow that. However, we, we have to. We I have, have to talk about the biggest frauds. I, in the NBA, I have God. one request. I yeah. request that we can leave a minimum of 15 minutes for that last no, I conversation. I, I want to make sure that, that their Denzel Snipes stays in because the comments for this for this because we're gonna, now, We're going to go to the mattresses on this one. That's fine. The only other thing is, JB, I'm going to need to take care of out of orders for me because I can't do that because I'm on my phone now because I will now quickly explain. To anybody that was watching, uh, my computer decided to stop working very well, so um, I'm now on my phone, which is terrible. Oh, it sounds it. like karma. So, uh, John, watch yourself. <laughs> Just because I'm on my phone does not mean my voice will stop working and my you know, my thoughts will stop working as well. They still are perfectly fine. I'm going to come at you. But we're going to talk about the Nets first. So I'll let He's going to attack your Astros. Don't you worry, Denzel. He's going to attack your strength. I'm going to attack everybody. You so, see. so let's start out with the biggest frauds of the NBA. What can you say? First time in 35 years, the team favored to win the championship gets swept in the first round. I'll make it real simple, JB. I got one name. Ben Simmons. He didn't play, but he didn't have to be. He didn't have to be even on the court to be a distraction, a problem, an issue, whatever you want to call him. That's what he was. That's what it is. That's not the only reason. I'm not, I'm not reducing this to being one problem because there are more than one problem. You know, there, there's multiple things here in play, of course. So don't get me wrong. I'm not reducing it to Ben Simmons. But if you want to make it real simple, Ben Simmons, okay, he wasn't on the court, but he didn't have to be to be a giant distraction. I mean, it's what he was. Let's be real. He didn't do anything you know, in a positive way. He only just distracted the team. That's it. And it was, oh, is he going to play? Is he not? It didn't matter if he played or not. He was so just, beyond was, that, though, Forget about Ben Simmons for a second. Let's start with the first problem, Harry Irving. You know, I get you don't want to get vaccinated. That's your right. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But you have to suffer the consequences of your decision, so you can't play home games for most of the year. So now you put your team behind the eight ball. Then, you know, with that happening, you got KD playing extra minutes. You guys get you're stuck playing in the play-in. And you draw the Celtics in the first round. Who had a really good year. And yep. one of the top 10 teams defensively. You know, maybe even better than somebody's <laughs> Miami Heat. No, no, definitely not. Uh, definitely I would not. agree with that, but that's fine. Uh, who's the number one seed? Thanks. Please keep going. John, being number one seed means absolutely nothing. And I can tell you. It means you you're the sports- best team in the East. No. In the regular no. season, John. It means I'm gonna it means you one of the most, most games no. of the regular John, season. John, I'm going to use hockey as the perfect example. President's Trophy winner, right? I saw something today. President's Trophy winner is the number one team in the entire league, right? That's a cursed trophy. Hold on. And you know that's a cursed Hold trophy. On. John, I just asked a question. It means they're the number one team, are they not? There's a curse attached I to that. You know that. Did I ask about curses? No. I asked. I'll ask it to JB because JB will answer this question. It's JB, like touching win, the trophy JB, when you win you, the when your conference in hockey. JB, if you win the president's trophy in hockey, I know you're not a big hockey guy. Does that mean you are the number one team? Yes or no? I'm a I'm a big enough hockey guy to know that means you are the best team that year and have the most points overall. Exactly. So what that means is you're the best team in the regular season. Yeah. But can I – let me ask you this, gentlemen, because I don't even remember how long it's been. It's been that long. When was the last time the President's Trophy winner won the Stanley Cup? I'm going to assume I, the Detroit Red Wings. That's my assumption because the Red Wings and, were and so John, good for and so John, long. How many years ago was that? That was what? Probably early about, 2000s with Steve Eiserman and company. That's my say, assumption. We're, we're talking close to 20 years ago, if not possibly more. That's my guess. My yeah. point exactly. So being a number one seed means – Nothing in hockey. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. 
nothing. Okay. It, it means it means one, more in football than it does in hockey but, or basketball. But, but Aaron Rodgers is the perfect example. You give him the number one seat. You give him MVP. And what's he do? He gives you disappointment. That's what he does. So you know what? It doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything. anything. It it just right. means those teams disappoint, no. but you have no. the best advantage. John, you have the best John, odds. John, 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 John. You can't say, oh, those teams, it doesn't mean anything for. But for my Miami Heat, it means something. It no, I'm means saying the bet, like, no matter what sport it is, you should. You have the best probability. You should. Best odds. So you sh- you should. John, you have the best odds. It's the regular season. That's what being the best team means. The best team is the team that comes out on top every single year. It's like whenever that you play the lottery the and you have team. the best odds to win the lottery. doesn't matter. You're not going to complain about it. Just because you don't win the it, you're going to be like, well, I have the best odds. I have the best chances. Sometimes it just John, doesn't work out. John, the best team is the team that wins the championship. No, that, that's that's not always true. That is absolutely. not always At true. At the end of the year, they were the best team that year. It may, it may include some lucky bounces. They may have gotten some luck along the way. But it doesn't matter because they are the only team remaining at the end of all of it. Jake. They are the one walking home with a trophy. They were Jake, the best team. When when the Diamondbacks Bats. and the Marlins beat the Yankees in the World Series, yep, those teams the were not the better than the Yankees. They, they beat them, the but they were not better teams. They John, were the I best team better. that year. I said they were the best team that year. I didn't say they were but the better But you see what team. I'm saying? Like The, the Yankees There's clearly were a better team than those two right. teams in their respective years that they that. beat them. I said they became the best team, meaning they were the team, the only team on the mountaintop that got to hold the trophy. That year, they were the best team. To me, just because it, it, like just because you win the championship luck. doesn't mean that you're necessarily the best team. The best, the best teams don't always. Thank win. you, Denzel. Thank you. Like that the Bengals to me, that like the Bengals to point, me, John, weren't the oh, best team in the my, AFC. John, why are you saying thank you? That proves my point. The number one seed, which is supposedly the best team, doesn't always win. The best team is the team that comes out on top ultimately. No, but he Thank just you. said the best team doesn't always win. Like, right. Would you the rather, best team in the regular the season doesn't always win. Would you win. rather win? Of course you want to win, but if, if you're telling me that the Bengals are the best team in the AFC, I can't buy that in this season. I can't buy team. that. You Thank know what I'm saying? Deb. Like, I Deb, can't buy that. I appreciate that. you. And Denzel, that's a very good point, sir. We could bring up the New York Giants. They were not the best team in either season, but guess what? They beat the New England the, Patriots at twice. the end of the year. That still the doesn't year, make the them the team. best team. Yes, it does. Yeah. It no, yes, it does. Championship. What do you play for? You what don't do you play to lose. You play no, to win. I know. You but play context, to win the game. As Herb context says. matters. Context John, matters. Let me ask you this question. Let me let me put it to you this way. What does history remember? The winners or the losers? No, but if we're talking, if we're breaking it down, that's not what I want. Just like, answer the question. Hold on. Do they remember if we're the breaking it down, or the, John? John. And we're talking about how it Does how it went. Remember the winners or the losers? It's a very simple question. Let who, me ask you. I this. Have a question. Who? Go, what names go on the Stanley Cup? Thank you. Do, they, do they put the, Do they put the best players in the NHL that year? No, they put whoever won the Stanley Cup championship. They don't care Thank who you. the best players were because the best and players you know why won. That, Context man. Do you know why that is? Hold on. Do you know why that is, JB? Because history does not remember the losers. They remember okay. the winners. So there are, are you telling me losers in history? Are you, you telling me remember, if I got the Lombardi you, trophy from when the Eagles won the title and it has Carson Wentz's name on it, you're gonna remember Carson Wentz as a champion? Get the hell out of here. Carson Next, Wentz was the backup quarterback. Get out of here. I'm gonna remember get Nick Foles Tom Brady though. But you know what I'm gonna remember. But, but you're, if I'm you're gonna, gonna etch names, like if you etch names in that Lombardi and Carson Wentz's name was on it, you you're gonna tell you me you remember that? You like don't there's context the to these things. You don't, you don't etch names of the Lombardi Trophy. No, so I'm just saying, if you did, and Carson Wentz's name was on it, what, would you look at in history and be like, yeah, Carson Wentz John. was a champion? No, you he wouldn't. There's context to it. The, the context is this. The starters, the guys that play the games, are the guys you remember. You said Steve Eiserman before. Why do yes, you remember him? Of course. Not only was he an absolute legend of the oh, game, he's a legend, but yeah. he was a catalyst for the Red Wings for many years. Ah, he's Why? A famer, yeah. He exactly. But you remember that name. He's a guy you remember. Joe Theismann. Okay, he was a great quarterback. He was a winner. That's why we remember him. Okay, I got I got the 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 perfect example. Joe Namath. 
There's only one reason we remember that man. One reason. Because he won. If no, he because lost, he guaranteed he be, a no. win and pulled it off. And That's why. Nobody's ever done that. John, he didn't have to guarantee the win. Beating the Colts as 20-plus underdogs is why we remember it, him. It, it was only because game, of the guarantee. It was only because of the guarantee. John, if we if he loses that game, people don't know Joe Namath's name, but we do because history remembers the winners. That is how history is okay. written. Same thing. Who who was the uh, who's the Redskins first? Uh, who did they win their first Super Bowl with? Who was their quarterback? I don't. You don't remember, remember everyone just because just because you won a championship doesn't mean people necessarily remember your name. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. His name's not memorable. I'll remember that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not a memorable but I'll remember name. Tr- but you know what? But you know what? I'll remember that Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. I know he did, and I know I I know about Des- it. He won it despite himself. It doesn't matter. <laughs> His it does. remembers the winners, which is you the point. Brad Johnson Judge. won a Super Bowl, Judge. not because right, Brad Johnson. John, you play to win the game. You remember the winners. The losers get nothing. The winners are considered the best team. The idea of the game is to win. Yes, I understand that, JB, but there's also context behind these wins. It doesn't matter. Yes, they beat the, the team. Best team the best team comes out on the best right. team. The, the 2001 team lost to game seven, right? They yep. were supposed to be the best team. They lost to the Diamondbacks. I remember that quite well. It yes, sucked. I remember. Luis Gonzalez, walk-off hit. Yes. Right. Yep. Why? Because the Diamondbacks, unfortunately, were the best team that year. When it came to crunch time, they won. That makes you the best team. It sucks to lose. Trust me. I mean, I know winning more than losing with the Yankees because we have <laughs> – how many how many World Series titles, Jake? 27, baby. Right. Now, let's look at the Nets, mm. who have KD – who picks where he wants to play to try and get championships. Since he's left Golden State, has done nothing to get one. Kyrie, I don't want to get my shot, Irving. And Ben, I want to look good in bench clothes, Simmons. That's their big three after they traded James Big Rounds Harden. You know, I, I, this team, you if you don't blow it up, if you're the Nets owner and just start over, get rid of Kyrie because he's a cancer to that team. Tell KD, you know what? I'm sending you somewhere else. Maybe LeBron needs someone to play with him. Go, be gone, and let's start over. Because they're frauds. KD is a fraud. Go get a burner Twitter account and start writing how great you are because you're not. How do you lose four games by less than five points when you are predicted to win the NBA championship with KD, who's arguably one of the best players in the game right now, if not number one? He is a fraud. The Nets are for sure is. Yep. The simple fact. Disgusting. The Nets, the Nets, the Nets blew it. And I told you, Ben Simmons, despite being on the bench, just it goes way beyond. It's beyond Ben Ben Simmons. So it's it's beyond Ben Simmons. I mean, KD. We talked about this on the Sports Arena Shameless Plug. Derek Wilson and Ray Lynn and Megan Price and Mike Caratanudo and Ty Ray. Monday, Wednesday nights. Uh, Last night we talked about this. How KD hasn't done anything. Eric disagreed with us. KD hasn't done anything when it comes to winning, except he had to join Steph Curry, who JB's wearing his jersey. He had to join Steph Curry in order to go get his titles. He started with James Harden. He started with Russell Westbrook. Couldn't win anything there. He got to one championship and lost to the Heat. Went had to lost was up three one on the Golden State Warriors blew that and what did he do he decided to go and join them very Warriors the next year just to go and get his titles then he goes and runs all the way to Brooklyn gets his Kyrie eventually gets James Harden still can't do anything do anything loses James Harden still can't do anything like Sky hasn't done anything when it comes to winning unless he rides the coattails of Steph and Clay like. You're right. He, this guy, I'm not saying he's a fraud of like his talent because no. he's an amazing Listen, player, but like he, an all-time great, I take away from a him. Team. He cannot lead a team. The only yeah. reason he won a Golden State is because Steph was there. He's not a leader. He's a fraud. So, if I'm the Nets, I get rid of him. So I would take draft picks for him because they're not going to win with him. He's not the alpha dog on a team. LeBron, so, LeBron's an alpha. So Steph Eric's comments, alpha. Eric made a comment last night. Because you remember the all the seventy five the NBA seventy five thing that came out this year, the top seventy five yes. of all time, and I think I told Katie you how much like, I hated it. 
KD was like in top 20 or top 25. And I would like to point out <laughs> right. that I don't recall if you remember, and if you don't, it's perfectly fine. It was, you know, it was a one conversation. Yeah. I said that that list was a bunch of baloney. Yeah. And I know whatever you're about to say, I'm no. not going to agree with most of what you say tonight. I am sure I'm going to agree with what you yeah. say in the next minute. So at least for that list's sake, he's top 20, top 25. Eric said last night, because Eric disagreed with us about how KD is a fraud. He said that KD needs somebody, he needs a player better than him to help him get it done. And I said, well, if he needs a player better than him and he's top 20 or top 25, that means he needs one of the greatest players of all time just in order to get it done. That takes away from his greatness for me. Because if you need Michael Jordan, if you have to have Michael Jordan or Kobe or Shaq or somebody like that just to win a championship, and you cannot do it with somebody that's gonna, 75th that, best all time or 100th best I'm all time. Make, like, that is one of the comments. reasons that LeBron no, is always going to be right. at the top of those lists uh, exactly. because he won Le- with people on his with team. Garbage. Yes. Yeah. He took but he nobody. also won with with he won people he won with people like Kyrie, which Fine. And Wade but he and also and, yeah. he also won with teams that were absolute garbage, and yep. he, he still won garbage despite. to the NBA Finals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, listen, as much as I dislike LeBron, he took garbage to the NBA Finals. Kevin Durant can't win a game playing with Kyrie in Brooklyn, being the number one seed. I had enough of the fraud. Let's let's stop talking basketball because in New York we're done. So Boston will come out of the East, forget about Philly, and beat is another fraud. And Miami, good luck. Butler is not playing the next game from what I hear. So good luck with you guys. You by guys the way, probably- by the well, way, I just want to give a shout out to Spencer Shaman. He used to be on our team. I mean, if you saw his uh his video today on Facebook, he actually was on the yep. WFAN, the Boomer and Geo. And that was pretty cool. He called in, and then they he got a long conversation it's with them. The and then second they were, time he's been on there. They were talking yeah. with him. Got a shout it was really day. cool. I just wanted to shout yeah. that out. That was that was badass. Fireside that was, that was awesome. Check him out. Yeah. But now since we're all right, since we're staying in the New York area, I'm what, what, I'm gonna head what, this one. Let Let Jake take over so he can tear John to shreds, me, and then I'm just gonna let me shovel because, the dirt on top of because, John because John has has said things that are so egregious today. I've never been in more shock. So to start this, let's talk about, let, let's point out what we're talking about. The Yankees had a letter open today from the commissioner talking about the sign stealing issues uh, that in our case, 2015, 2016. First of all, I'm going to say it. The Yankees are no better than the Red Sox and no better than the Astros in terms of the fact that as much as it hurts me to admit the facts are the facts, they cheated, period, end of story. There's no denying that. I'm never going to say that we didn't cheat. That would be a lie if I said that we didn't. However, however, with that, there is a clear distinction that needs to be made. And this is why, John, I took fault with what you said. Because what John said today was, and I quote, the Yankees should be punished as much, if not more, than for what the Astros were punished for. Now, here is why I have a problem with that. The Houston Astros, for those who may have forgotten, we don't know about the buzzers. As much as I wish I could say they certainly use buzzers, that was never confirmed, so I can't say that. But what we do know for a fact, it was proven, it was, you know, it, it, they were in trouble for it. This is a fact, is they used garbage cans to, you know, to, to bang them, to send Three a, late calls, yeah. A, a, basically a coded message, if you yeah. will, to the person at the plate. So, this was important because this could be done with one out, two outs, anybody, any number of people on the bases, or nobody on the bases. It could be any possible scenario that this could have occurred in. Why is that important, you might ask? Because what the Yankees did, while still cheating and not acceptable by any means, is not as bad because of one simple, minor little fact that, John, I don't know that you know. The only way the Yankees were able to do this was if there was a runner on second base. If there was no runner on second, there was no way for the Yankees to relay a message to the batter. Now, 
I'm not arguing that that's acceptable. Again, it's cheating and it's unacceptable. I mean, no that, matter that's what. big. I know that. scoring position is big. But right? hold on. But hold on. But it's unacceptable no matter what. And I'm saying that. And I admit yeah, that. Yep. Yep. However, however, the Astros have a different thing. They could know any pitch at any given moment if they wanted to. And that's the difference between the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Astros. And that's why the Astros were worse. The Yankees were bad. They did it with runners in scoring position, and that's fine. But here's the thing, John. If a man was on third, let's say somebody got a single. And then – no, anybody. It doesn't matter. A a Yankees player gets a single. It doesn't matter. We'll just say DJ LeMayu. It really doesn't matter for this argument. Then Brett Gardner gets another single that puts LeMayu on third. Gardner's on first. And then just for argument's sake, we'll say Gio Urshela, one of the, you know, at the time, I don't even think it was on the team. So I'm going back, but I'm trying to use a Yankee from the past few years that would have been possibly involved in something like this, right? Not a power hitter by any means. He was a good player. He was a great base hitter. But here's the thing. Nobody was ever on second in this scenario. Therefore, there's no way for a message to be relayed to Urshela that, or excuse me, from uh, LeMayu at third or Gardner at first back to Urshela at the home plate at bat. And that's the difference. Because in the Astros, if you switch those players, right, in the Astros scenario, that Astros batter could sure as heck know what's coming and could drive in potentially, uh, well, at least one, if not both runners, depending on the hit they get. The Yankees could not do that. And that is the most important thing to point out. It's bad, but it's a difference maker. Because if you don't have a guy on second, which is what this system relied on, they couldn't do what the Astros could do with any any given at bat if they so choose. And that is why the Yankees are bad. They've already gotten in trouble. and shouldn't be punished like the Astros. I also still believe the Astros were just not nearly punished enough. But that is a whole different argument that I don't think anybody here would ever debate me on because I think we all agree the Astros were not nearly punished enough. They, they only they got did. away with their punishment because COVID struck and then there was no fans. I understand. They served their punishment with no fans, so they didn't have to they didn't have to eat crow for 162 games because the year that they were supposed to eat the crow was the year of that the pandemic hit and they it's like a jail get out of jail free card, you know what I mean? So that's why it didn't feel as satisfactory to, at least to me, as a fan of baseball, didn't feel quite like, you know, we got justice as fans. I think regardless, I think regardless, the Astros should have been punished more, no matter what. Yeah, it was a completely different, there should have been different situation stuff, but, but, but that's fine. But that's why I disagree with you, John. I'm never going to argue that they didn't cheat. They cheated and that's a fact, but there's a distinction between the two. That makes one, in my opinion at least, worse than the other. Cheating is cheating. That's a fact. But there's different forms of cheating and different degrees yeah, it, of, of severity. It, does, I think, it doesn't compare. One doesn't so think, compare to the other. Go ahead, John. The only reason that you th- – I mean, part of it is, home. you know, you're obviously Yankees fan, so you're going to be biased. That's just – that's human nature. That's how it's going to be. But I think if the Ashers didn't win the championship and they didn't beat – your team specifically, I think that maybe your mindset changes a little bit because the championship changes things. You know what I mean? They cheated and they won the championship. So it's like, it's like a double whammy. You know what I mean? It's like if the Patriots cheated and won a championship, it's going to look worse. But if we don't make as big a deal about the Falcons or the Colts, whenever they in their domes, they would make artificial sound to hurt the opposing teams. We don't make as big a deal of that because they didn't win a championship with it. But whenever you win a championship with cheating, you know what I mean? It amplifies and it makes it worse because you're like, oh, well, the only reason you won is because you took so, this or you did. But, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it amplifies it when you win a championship. It makes it worse. you don't seem think worse. that there's a difference? Hang on one second. You don't think it seems worse that the Astros on any at bat could send in the sign so that their hitter would know the pitch and possibly, which we can't confirm, more devices to signal what pitch it was. But definitely the trash that was in play to any batter, where other teams, specifically the Red Sox and Yankees, had to have specific situations in play in order to do the same thing. You don't think there's any difference to that? No, I don't. I think that... 
stop. I think that no, there's I, potentially. I think where think there's, there's smoke, there's fire. Murder and robbery. <laughs> this is sports. There's no, nobody's well, murdering no, no, anybody mean, in this. It's way different than committing an actual crime. Of you well, know I what think I mean? no. You know what? To JV's point, I think I'll put it like this. There's degrees to murder. It's a terrible example to have to use, but it works. No, but it works, right? One is premeditated. One is an accident. The point being, to J- I think what JB is getting at is, one, everything you do is deliberate and intentional. The other, it, things just happen. Now, I'm not saying that's what the Yankees versus Astros well, do. I'm not saying. But well, my point is. I would have used murder for both of them. I would but say no, but, murder but here's, and robbery. But here's, but here's the yeah. thing about it, though. They're both murder at the end of the day, just like the Yankees and Astro are both still cheating at the end of the day. But one is considerably worse than the other. Why? Because the way one happened was, in, in, in the case of murder, premeditated. The case of the Astros, it could happen at any time. The way of the Yankees is kind of like the, the, the unintentional version of murder. Again, a weird example, I know, but it still works, right? It's still bad. You still kill the person. It is not positive. But, but it's a little better because in the Yankees scenario, it couldn't happen at any given moment. It was just, okay, certain moments it could work. So again, it's and, a very weird example, but one is clearly worse than the other for a reason. This is the same thing. The Yankees are bad. It was a terrible thing. I am disgusted as a fan. I am, I am annoyed as a baseball fan, as a Yankee fan, all of yeah, that. I mean, I was but ultimately, ultimately. There are degrees to cheating, and that's what we have to understand about. Go on, JB. You were going to say something. And no, that, I mean, Deb, is my point right there. Exactly my point. The Denzel's comment on the trash can, stadiums are loud. The only person that knew that the trash can, what it meant, was the batter. You were in a loud stadium. You're not listening for, for noises, you know, to hear banging. You were, As a fan or as an opposing player, it's just a noise. But if you know when you, that you're going to hear two bags, it's a fastball, three bags is a changeup, four bags is a how the is nobody hearing listening. a banging of a trash can? People no, did. Like he said. John, John, people It's heard not it, like fans are you. bringing in big barrel trash cans John, John, like into the on, stadium. John, people, to answer your question, people did hear it. And I hate to keep using the Yankees, but this was a really big example. And it was actually one of the reasons the Astros got caught. Aaron Boone actually heard it and straight up called them out on it. But, and the MLB ended up investigating kind of not exactly uh, as a result of that, but they were caught because people did hear them. So in and our to, day and, and age, to this real quick, hold on to this real quick. Oh, no, this one. Sorry. Excuse me. I'm on my phone. Murder is murder. Someone is. Yes. Cheating is cheating. And that's my point. I agree. But to that, there is a degree different degree. And that's the point. There, yeah. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing that the Yankees did something wrong and cheated as a result. It pains me to say it, but cheating is cheating, and that is true. But there's different degrees for a reason. So in in our day and age, with all everything that's re- everything is recorded, like everything you do and say, like somebody just whips out their phone or whatever and records it. How do they not record a big a big trash can getting banged on? They did like, with all John. these. No, I'm saying fans. Like fans don't people catch that because fans always want clout. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that not John, get people called? People did. No, I'm saying it's like people right did. away because you know what I'm saying. Like, as soon as something happens in today's day and age, somebody does something stupid, boom, it's immediately viral and everybody sees it. It's just crazy how it didn't get caught like that. Just, I just think that's you know, it's nothing. Not... Nothing ever gets caught like that, John. With the greedier you get, because you got away with it for a little bit. And it worked, you keep doing it. And when you keep doing it and you keep doing it, that's when you get caught because you got greedy. You know, you got away with it for so long. Instead of saying, nah, we're done. No, let's keep doing it. Come on, now let's get the buzzers. Now, come on, let's see, you know, we'll put a camera there. And you keep trying to find better ways to improve your system because you got greedy. And that goes for the Yankees, too. You know, it doesn't mean that what they did was right because I'm cheating. Like, I agree, cheating is cheating. It's not acceptable. But I'm sure if they kept getting away with it, they would have looked for better ways to improve the system. So they could have gotten it eventually. That's what people do. People get greedy. You're and- a gambler. You know You know how that gets whenever whenever you have like your fan duel on a Sunday or you put, put money down on like tennis or, um, or, you know, 
basketball or something. You know what I mean? Like, you know how those things go when you put a parlay out and you're like, ah, come on. You know, and you got all but one, then you're mad at the Canes for blowing a game they shouldn't lose. Like, you know how it is. Exactly. Exactly. They lost to the better team. Detroit was a much better team. They still are. Yeah, definitely. Look, at the end of the day, though, John, this is the thing that somehow you have yet to debate me on, which I'm actually happy about as we're running out of time. Um, and we do have a couple minutes, so I don't think it's something that we're d- debating per but no, se. But I'm you listening wrote to what you're in saying. Our chat today. No, I'm just saying. But today you wrote in our chat the Yankees should be punished harder, if not the same, at the least as the Astros, and that's where I disagree. I, I completely disagree. Couldn't. No, 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 no. Once you cheat, you're not. You're no longer oh. better. In order to to be better, you have to play the game. Once you cheat, that's it. Real quick, back to what I was saying. The thing is, John, they shouldn't be hurt in the, or 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 uh, I guess punished in the same way because of the difference in the way they did it and the severity, and also the fact that this happened years ago and they've been punished already. Like this letter was unveiled, but if you read up on this, the Yankees were punished already for what they did. Like this is this is. Basically, the commissioner knew about it, punished them, and has moved on from it since. This just happens to be opened now, but the punishment is... So why uh, open the letter know, now? You know what I mean? Like, why reveal it now? Honestly? Oh, because no, there was no, the, the Yankees were trying to hide it because that's what big, you know, people... That's, like, a, people yeah, want, that's of, a billionaire's People want the money, that's what they do. Yeah. But eventually, the court said, no, we're opening it, you know, F off. This is the end of it. We're done. That's it. That that's why. That's why it was open. That's exactly why. No, unfortunately, it still goes to degrees of cheating, Denzel. I I don't Denzel, believe Denzel, so. Denzel. I think I think Astros cheating is cheating. The team. No, it's both wrong, but there's degrees. I think if you cheat once or you cheat five times, you're still a cheater. No, no, no. I, I don't. I don't think you can say, "Well, I only did it once, and that guy did it five times." I think you're in this. I, like, I, you both I disagree did it. with that because you both if did you it. Cheat and you get caught, and you learn from your lesson. Good. If you get, if you don't learn from your lesson and you do it again, you're worse off. Simple as that. But I, I, so, can't get I don't know. With that all being said, the Yankees are the best team ever, but we're not going to win a World Series because we have Garrett Cole, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, you can't Fair be enough. the best team ever. You didn't win it. Uh, oh, we statistically, we are based on on championship. Uh, no, 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 no. You did not win it this year, so you're not the best team ever. We didn't we say this year. We said the best team ever, meaning we, based on numbers, have the most championships, which is what the, determines the best teams. The amazing right. thing is, if you went before we go on, before we wrap up, if you because we got to wrap up, yeah. Players per position, you know, top three per position. You probably have a Yankee in every position. But that's after saying that. After saying that, let's have a great night. Let's wrap up, Jake. Go ahead. Oh no, no I'm going to defer to John first, only because I always, I you know, I got to do my special shtick, my my shtick at the end. You know what I'm talking about. Well, you can find me in uh, Las Vegas this week for the NFL draft. Uh, Blue Hawks 13. I mean, we're everywhere. Sideline Sports is literally everywhere, and we have so many shows. I I can't name them all, but if you go to the SportsArena1.com. You can find our laundry list of shows and all of our social media. You can check out Sideline Sports literally everywhere. We Not just us four on the network, but we have so many great people that do so many damn great things. I'm so proud of every person on our network. They're just doing amazing things, and I want to shout out – I can't name everybody right now and every show that we'd do. Be here, we'd be here but way dude, too long. Yeah, but, dude, they, I mean, trust me. Like, our network is amazing. And the people check, us Seven nights the week. check us out. Seven nights a week. Yep. You know it. JB. You're up, sir. JB underscore the program. Catch me at 11 for Confidential. Catch me tomorrow, South Florida Tribune, their football show. See you guys then, but that's about it for tonight. I'm done. (laughs) All right. Well, you guys know where to find me. You can find me on Twitter at Jake underscore Malik. But most importantly, as per every single week, you can find Sideline Sports in the following places. As you see on the bottom of your screen, as it scrolls across, Instagram and Twitter is Sideline Sport 1. YouTube and Facebook is Sideline Sports, uh, DBNA Television, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are absolutely everywhere. As John said, we'll be at the draft this week. So check us out for plenty of content this weekend. With that, everybody have a good one. 
and we will see you. And Actually, we'll attention. see you pretty soon because we're going to have some draft content. I got one second. Pay attention next week. Lots more big news. Oh, yes. Another big right, announcement. There you go. Big breaking news. Later. Indeed. Everybody have a good one. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric Acid. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid.